We don't want or shouldn't help those people. Those people feel there is no hope, no future. Time to change the story. This is re-entry. So one of the things that I think will be interesting for people to hear this week is how such a destructive path can start with just hello. Mm-hmm. Like it would, is that an experience that's unique to Eric? It's, it's not even it's not even uncommon with our cultural moray moving from there are just some things you don't do to anything you can get away with. That's what you do. When people buy into uh, the porn culture, uh, as Eric did, uh, the idea that somebody would ever, could ever, or should ever say no to some urge that they have when they buy into the porn culture, uh, before long, they are treading uh, a place where they should not go. And it's not at all unusual. It's not unique. It's matter of fact, it's quite common that they step over the boundary. And I would almost argue that it, it even starts before you even buy into the porn culture. Like that, that's what's so interesting that I find with a lot of these guys and like Eric is they, they were successful before this. Sure. Like them, it would, it's even more so the American culture that says nothing can be denied you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he has his MBA, two degrees in finance, he's got these successful jobs. Mm-hmm. It, it's our culture that says, you know what? You're not denied anything. You can do whatever you want. Well, and we've we've crossed a boundary where it's I, okay. You just, it just doesn't matter. It, it's progressive. It's popular, and yeah. and before you know it, their lives are in shambles, and they're headed for prison. Um, so as we as we transition into Eric's story, uh, that's something that, you know, he even wanted to bring out throughout it is that you can never think that you're going to be that person. And then once you're in it, you're so blinded, you'll never be able to understand that it's wrong because it's just gone too far. And that if you are so fortunate to be redeemed by Christ, by God, it's almost impossible to think where you had been. Um, and, and I really hope that's what we hear out of the story today. Welcome back to re-entry. I am sitting here today with Eric, right? That's correct. And Eric has been a part of Havens of Rest slash Chains of Grace for... Three years now. Three years. Okay. Yes. Uh, so Eric, if you want to go ahead and kind of get us started with um, kind of the basic who you are, how you got here, and then kind of your backstory of, of why you're here. Sure. Three years ago, I was sitting in prison um, trying to find a place to come live. And um, my mother contacted uh, Rachel Yancey of Haven's Rest and uh, got the application, went through that process, and she allowed me to come live here at her home. And um, she wanted to know, um, she wanted to see how honest we were with admitting our crime um, because she wanted somebody that wasn't in denial here. She wanted open and honest people. And um, so that was part of the application process where you had to admit that you were a guilty person 
and that you were a sinner and that you were willing to change and follow their rules and do what they needed to here. So so would you say it's a more in-depth application than a lot of other places have? Um, you know, I didn't get the other applications because a lot of other people just weren't interested. Wow. Um, I happen to have three felonies. Um, I have uh, indecency with a child by contact okay. with a 13-year-old. Um, I also had child pornography. I've, I had a picture of a 16-year-old on my uh, laptop. And then I also, the, the way I got arrested was I was actually trying to meet up with a 13-year-old um, who I had met online. And it turned out to be the Wiley Police Department slash uh, Collin County Sheriff's Department. Oh, so it's kind of a sting. It was absolutely yeah, a sting. Okay. I, was, I was that guy that got busted in a sting. And today, even though I remember having those guns drawn on me, having to get out of my car, go lay in that front yard and have cuffs put on me and just being scared to death. I can't thank them enough for doing that for me because it ultimately changed who I was. I wasn't going to stop cheating on my wives or cheating. I wasn't going to stop that until that day. A few days later, December 2nd of 2010, I was approximately, I think it was my third day sitting in county jail I read more than a carpenter, and I was sitting in a cell by myself, and I read the book that I found on a book cart in uh, Collin County Jail. And um, I was sitting there reading it, and next thing you know, I get to the back, and it's about, you know, bring your life to Christ. And so I read this, and I that's when I fell down on my knees, and I wanted his help. I wanted it, and I knew I needed to change, and Nobody had led me to do this. It was me and Jesus in that cell, and that was it. I, I was done. I was absolutely done. Mm. And so, but you would never have gotten there had it not been no, for the no, arrest. No, I was actually. I would go to church, but I would only go because my my uh, second wife uh, would go. But it was more of a. I was going to say it was a show at that point because I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't doing the things that Christ would want us to do. Mm. God wants us to do. I wasn't doing those at all. It wasn't a relationship. No, not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. I couldn't tell you anything about what the Bible was about. You know, there was six-year-olds who knew more than I did at that point. So, right. you know. spiritually speaking, you were it's, you were newborn at that, at that point. Absolutely. So, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was a big deal for me to be arrested, and um, that's what ultimately changed my life. Because when I started that relationship with Christ, um, yes, I did start reading the Bible, and then. And uh, I would talk to people. You start finding out um, what Christ's intention was for me, and um, it's pretty. It's pretty hard to look back and realize just how far I've come, and see it's it's, it's difficult to see that that's who I was at that time. Wow. Yeah. So today's a much different story. Um, you could not have written my story in the last three years. There's no way anybody sitting down to write a book could have written my story. Um, so I got here three years ago and I think it was about two and a half weeks later, I was hired by champion home builders. And so, um, so I started building walls for champion and back when I was in college, I'd learned to drive a forklift. And so, um, talked to a gentleman about driving a forklift there. And so I end up getting introduced to who the manager is over the forklifts and ends up giving me a shot. And so I'd accepted the job. She had given me the job basically, but I hadn't talked to her in 
like really, I, for some reason, something compelled me to tell her the truth of who I was. I wasn't mm. just some random guy that decided to come get a job at champion. And so I emailed her and I still have the email because it's very important to me. Mm. I listed my the pros, the cons. I listed that I had gone to prison and, um, I also attached my resume though. <laughs> and I happened to have a bachelor's in business, a master's in accounting and an MBA. And oh, wow. I was building walls and then driving a forklift. So, um, I just attach it. I had nothing in mind when I attached it. I just wanted her to know that I wasn't just, you know, some average guy out there. I would, I was going to work as hard as I could on a daily basis and, um, I was going to be there. And so two and a half months later, she calls me into her office and a cost accountant had quit and they were looking. And so she happens to have this resume that I just sent her two months ago. Like I said, on a whim, it wasn't, I just wanted to let her know who I was. And so, um, she ends up helping me. Um, they've looked at my background and yes, they saw everything that I've already admitted here. And, um, they gave me a shot and I don't know why I've never asked why they decided ultimately give me the shot, but I started in as a cost accountant. So this is now my third position with the company. Um, I've moved up from building walls to a forklift driver to now I'm in the office as a cost accountant for several months. Well, champion had decided to buy another location. Um, our assistant controller, uh, was offered the head accountant. And so um, I can remember this sitting in the conference room after a meeting and my boss, Jim Winkoop, shuts the door and I'm thinking, oh man, what do I do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He goes, well, uh, I want you to become my assistant controller. And I'm thinking, is this for real? Like, this isn't like, I'm the guy who's been to prison. I'm the guy that has the felonies. And now this is going to be the fourth position I've asked to, I've moved up the ladder fast. And that was uh, April of 2017. So I've almost been working as the assistant controller um, for almost two years now. And I 100% associate it with being honest and telling the truth and having God's hand on you. I mean, the only thing that comes to my mind is Joseph is Joseph with his brothers. Yeah. You know, I never even thought about that. Actually, that's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. I mean, literally he was in jail, comes out and Now he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. Yeah. Now and you're so, the number two. Yeah. So. And uh, Jim's 68, almost 69 years old and doesn't plan on being around much longer. And they've actually, um, they've already cleared it through corporate that I, when Jim does retire, that um, that I should be the head accountant there. Which, like I said, tell me if I don't send that email, this happens. Oh, I something, know. Absolutely. Something tells me to send that email. And I think it's God in the back of my head or just going, hey, do this. And it's okay. And it's like, okay. Like, don't don't be fearful. Don't fear sending What man's going to think of you? Yes. I'm, I'm bigger than that. Yes. You know, we do it our way. You're obviously successful as a, you know, as a bachelor's, got your master's, you're a teacher, all this crazy stuff. And then we, we lose our path, what we yeah. think is going to get us there. We hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And God still redeems out of that. Before prison, would you have thought one day you'd be the head accountant? 
somewhere? Like, was that ever a goal? Yeah, I, I felt like before I was arrested that I felt like I was going to be that guy one day. And, um, you know, those poor choices put a huge curve in that. I mean, it just, mm. I, I fell off completely. And um, for the most part, my fear for all those years until I got my opportunity again was that it's not that God wasn't in my life. It's just I thought seeing what you see on the news and the norm for what I've done, people were not going to give me that second chance. That in itself is one of the most amazing things about my life. And I'm, I'll tell anybody in the world, if I didn't send that email, it's, I felt compelled I had to send my life is not, you could not have written the story. No way. Right. So. I'm going to take you back just a little bit. Sure. Um, what got you to where you were? So. Uh, like, how'd you grow up? Basically? Okay, so I had a I had a very good childhood. I cannot relate. There's no molestation. There's nothing in my past. I always had food on the table. I, I, I had a house to live in. I played sports. I had friends. I you know, um, my mom and I have actually had this discussion because it did weigh on her mind. Did something happen? How did, you know, she thought what she called her perfect child and how mm. did you end up in this position? And I assured her that it was never anything they did. It was nothing related to my grow up, my growing up. I just started making poor choices as I became an adult. And, and I think that's going to be really important for mothers to hear yeah. is that you, yeah. you don't need to play that victim mentality. Like you, it's not your fault that your son or daughter is dealing with these issues um, that you may play a hand in it. But sometimes you can be like you're saying right now, a really good mom and have nothing to do with that. Yeah. And no, and she, she is absolutely, she's been there the whole time. Um, you know, when I went to prison, um, I was still married to my second wife. Um, I, my father was alive and my mom. And so the three people that wrote me and saw me the most were those three. Um, but anyway, uh, when I graduated high school, I moved here to Texas to be with my dad because the community college system down here was just tremendous. And so oh, yeah. I meet my first wife and my first wife, um, she was a very good woman and she still is today. But there was a little promiscuous things that we done, we did while we were you know, younger and it deprived my mind a little bit. Um, she brought some pornography into the house, purchasing it on videos and mm. I just didn't grow up with that in the house. And um, Were you Christian at this point? No. No, okay. No. Grew up, so you grew up in a second But would I say I was at that point? Yeah, I yeah. probably would have told you absolutely. Oh yeah, I believe in God. And yeah, yeah, As yeah. far as like actual knowledge, Relationship. no. Yeah, okay. No, so... Um, the internet comes about and chat rooms is what ultimately caused me to come completely deviant. I started talking to women I shouldn't have and ultimately, you know, that, that's how I ended up arrested trying to meet up with a third, you know, I'd literally let my mind through pornography and talking online. I let my mind be destroyed by it. And did it start pretty innocuously? Like just... Hey, how yeah, you doing? And yeah, then it went from there. Yeah, it's, yes. And you, you start seeing what goes on on the chat rooms and it's kind of, well, my wife's not around or, you know, and, uh, oh, we've, and at this point we've actually had a couple children and uh, I ended up cheating on my wife several times. She never knew uh, about most of them. And I, to this day, uh, 
that weighs heavy on me, knowing that I did what I did. Of course. I, I easily could have walked away from any one of those situations, and I chose not to. Right. Um, did you ever have something kind of trying to push you away from those situations? I had that guilt, but the longer I was in it, um, it was easier and easier to continue down pornography path and talking to people online than I should not have been. Mm. Um, to get a little further down the road to where I ended up arrested, it was a process to get there. Mm. It takes time for somebody to really sink that low. Unfortunately, not having any counseling or was not a good thing. That would have changed my mind. That mm. would have, like it did today, where it is today. And um, I ended up getting Because the heart, because yeah, the heart, the heart absolutely did yeah. not change. Because if it did, I would have felt guilty about, you know, sin towards God. I'd have felt guilty about what I had done to my first wife. I had remarried. I, I just turned around and did the same thing to this wife. Mm. And um, when Tyler did leave me in prison, that was a good thing because guess what? That hurt is still there because it helped me understand this is what you did to them. Mm. Not having my kids talk to me, that has crushed me. Um, not being there financially, physically, you know, spiritually, anything. I feel so bad for what I did because of not being there for them. If it wasn't for my family, Rachel and Pastor Yancey, and now, of course, Chains of Grace has really yeah. come in and stepped in. They've yeah. provided so much here. It's not even funny. I mean, I have a lot of pride. I've got um, hats and jackets and different things. And I'm not afraid. To, I'll go up to any job I have and wear that and receive pride. Well, what's Chains of Grace? Well, let me tell you, you know. Yeah. And I think after hearing kind of the overarching story of Eric, that is the big change that I, that I've heard now is that if you listen to the beginning of your story, it's Eric did this and Eric did this and Eric did this and Eric did this and you go to jail and all of a sudden it's God did this and God did this and God did this. If I could tell anybody out there right now that would listen to this, um, if there is anybody doing something like this that I did, you can actually obtain help without getting arrested. And there's counselors that can actually help people go through this um, process that I'm actually going through to get healed and to mentally be just a better person. Um, and if and nothing so, else, then the truth is getting out. Yeah, and that's, and, but that's the problem the for most, most sex offenders. It's hiding. Yeah. And God can change any man's heart and he can mm. do it. To, it doesn't matter who that man is. He can change his heart and he can make him to who he is today. Mm. And, it's who I am now. Awesome. So anyway. Well, thank you, Eric. You know, it's really amazing how God can take such a dark path and make it flourish again. And of, of no power on Eric's part or his ability to get himself back on his feet. And Randy points up uh, the saving nature of God, how God never gives up on us and how God cares about us no matter how far we fall and we can always find redemption in Christ. When we talk to young people, men and women, 
we need to say to them, don't buy into the American porn culture. Don't, don't do that. Stay away from that. And if somebody is approaching you and urging you to come that way, take your situation to the most responsible person you know. Don't be out there by yourself. Get some help. Get some protection. Don't be that person who gets pulled away in the American porn culture. I mean, in the end, that's even what Eric wanted to point out heavily is that he understands that programs like these have to continue. And we need the help of people out there. We need people praying for us, contacting us, referring us to others, and we need people donating to us. So until next time, contact us, let us know, and we'll see you in two weeks, Friday at four o'clock on reentry.